0: I'm going to ask you to take your Bible, and I've got a series of scriptures here that we're going to go through. As you're well aware, we have no Sunday school today, and as far as I'm concerned, the clock does not exist anymore. Now, that's a a benefit for me, because I can go on as long as I feel the Spirit lead me. It's a benefit for you, because you can just shut me off whenever you want to. And you don't even have to tell me about it, so that's a good thing. Uh, you don't want to hurt my feelings. Um, but we are in unusual circumstances. This is an unusual current situation. Many of us are dealing with it very, very differently. But if you would, take your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 4. As you know, and everybody is acutely aware of, our situation And the world has changed. And we've had nothing short of a culture shift. And in saying that we've had a culture shift, it has trickled itself on down in order to have a church culture shift. It has affected everything we do. It has changed the way that we may routinely operate. It has probably brought to mind a lot of things that we normally took for granted We probably have a newfound appreciation for the things that were just so easy before. Some of you have gotten to know your families in a much closer way, and you're probably unnerved at what you didn't know about them before. (laughs) Uh, But we find that there are some things that do not change. And that is the fact that we are to be steadfast in doctrine. Growing in a knowledge of God is the constant. You won't ever exhaust it, you can only handle it in small doses. But yet, we hold true. We're unwavering in what the Word of God has to say. And our call is to be faithful, to be faithful in the light of His coming. That's the day we look forward to. Not tomorrow. Not next week. But his coming. But I think it's also important for us to realize that with this culture shift, we're called to be flexible in the application of God's word. For many of us, your long, under your breath prayer has been answered about the busyness in life and now that busyness is gone. And I think maybe we're a little bothered about how silent our surroundings are. For the first time in a long time, we actually have the opportunity to hear the voice of God. We don't have schedules crowding that out. We have a lot less in demands than what have normally been placed on us. We find ourselves with a little bit more leeway, even though we might feel like we have less freedom. But one thing is for sure, adversity has always encouraged the church, and has encouraged the church towards diligence. It doesn't take but reading a few pages of the Fox's Book of Martyrs to see that adversity always encourages diligence. It always encourages faithfulness, and this is not any different. And so starting this out, and, and those of you who are regular attenders and members of Grace Bible Church will understand this uh, from the get-go. I want to go over what is the earthly goal of the church to remind us, but also to help those who are tuning in maybe for the first time to what we do. To understand what God's Word has said about this, and um, I just say this as an as a overview umbrella statement for everything it's going to follow afterwards. In Ephesians chapter four, starting in verse eleven it says, and he gave some as apostles, and some as prophets, and some as evangelists, and some as pastors and teachers, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service to the building up of the body of Christ. And it's important that you understand that, the building up of the body of Christ. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So my responsibility and calling by the Lord Jesus Christ is to equip you for the work of service. I am to minister doctrine to you from the Word of God, and you are to assimilate that doctrine into your life and to apply it. By me ministering, I am applying what God has called me to do in the Word, to give it to you so that you would apply what God has called you to do in the Word, for the grand purpose of building us up so that we mature or we, we achieve maturity in Christ. Verse 14 gives us what it looks like to lack discernment. Discernment is a crowning accomplishment of what it is to be mature in Christ. It says, as a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, but the trickery of, sorry, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. And now here's the flip side. This is what it looks like to be developing in maturity. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body, that's you and me, being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. That is the earthly goal of the church and so you look at that and if you have a couple of moments to think about it you say okay well with our current situation how do we deal with this what does that look like how do we unfold this and make sure that that is accomplished i want to share with you a a very interesting um, quote i came across i can't even remember if i've used it before but it popped back out and i'll take that as the lord wanting me to share it with you by a man named W.H. Griffith Thomas he was a great preacher in the early 1900s it says here isolation is a certain danger and involves inevitable weakness while we are justified in relation to Christ solitarily and alone we are sanctified in connection with other Christians And we shall never know what it is to be a saint unless we make much of the communion of saints. So the idea here is how do we go about continuing to grow despite the obstacles that we've had placed in front of us? I think it's important for us to remember that the one thing we could do to shipwreck ourselves, in fact, the greatest threat that a Christian faces is losing sight of who they are in Christ. To experience an identity crisis. To start to see ourselves as part of the world, or part of a political party, or part of a movement, or what have you. However way we try to identify ourselves and feel like that we're taking up arms against those who oppress us, that is not us. We are in Christ. We have a new identity in Christ. We are established in Christ, and Christ is our answer. And we must not forget who we are. The very fact that we are church, the word is ecclesia. to break it down, it means to be called out, the called out ones. We are an assembly that is not of this world. We've been called out of this world that is not someone who justifies or rationalizes sin as a means to the end we wish to see achieved, and then we tack Jesus' name on it as if he approved of it. The Holy Spirit has set us apart, and he unites us with Christ. And we must understand that we are not to forget who we are. Our identity does not change regardless if our situation or our surroundings change. So I want to talk a little bit about an area that is vitally important regarding this. And that is the idea of fellowship. You know, it's funny, you start the week. Of course, on Monday, you don't know what's going to unfold throughout the week of what happens here and what we've seen. But I was on a rabbit trail of something that I felt like I needed to preach on. And then when the situation happens, it's interesting how the Lord points me in a direction of like, no, you need to talk about this. And while there's a lot of encouragement for isolation in the home and not knowing what the future of that may look like, we don't want to go anywhere. We don't want to touch anything. Anybody that coughs, we're freaking out. and Everybody's still hoarding toilet paper. Who knows what's going on with that? But the Lord laid on my heart about fellowship, how important it is to be in communion with one another. No, we just recently got done going verse by verse through First Corinthians. And you don't have to turn there in your Bible. I just want to remind you of it. But in First Corinthians chapter one, verse nine, we saw something very pivotal about who we are in Christ. It says, God is faithful, through whom you were called. So we talk about Ecclesia being the called out ones, you were called into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We were called into fellowship. One of the greatest things that God ever did in providing salvation for the world was he made a new relational aspect with deity possible. And notice it's not just relationship. It's fellowship. It's what's known in scripture as koinonia is the Greek. And it can be translated often fellowship, but the idea is a close-knit partnership. The idea of a participation that takes place between parties involved. Uh, Sometimes it's translated as a contribution. Notice it's like a sharing in uh, type of idea. And what that tells us is, is that it's not just relational, it's more than that. It has a lot to do with activity that spurs us on. It's the idea of being an active participant. And notice that's how it's described of us in what we were called out of and into was we were called out of the world and into koinonia, joint participation with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this shouldn't be surprising to us But relationships and fellowship has always been God's way. I think for a moment about the Godhead. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, before time ever began. In fact, if if you want to jot this down, you don't have to turn there. It'll come up for you on the screen. But in John 17, there are two instances in this prayer that Jesus offers up about what it is to be in fellowship. And it's the idea of fellowship... Before the beginning of time. In John 17, 5, Jesus is praying to the Father. Before his betrayal and arrest and and trial and crucifixion, all this. He says, now, Father, glorify me together with yourself. With the glory which I had with you. Now watch this. Before the world was. Before creation. Notice that the Son... And the Father had a fellowship experience that went on that demonstrated glory. It's an eternal glory. It's it's not a glory that needed to be created. It's not a glory that he needed creation to give to him in order to exercise it. It's a glory that was already possessed in the Trinity that was exercised as a means of expressing themselves to one another. It's a joint participation, a close-knit partnership, an active association with one another. What else is interesting is if you look over at verse 24, and that'll come up on the screen as well, it says, Father, and this is the end of his prayer, Father, I desire that they also whom you've given me be with me where I am. Now notice the fellowship aspect of that. Jesus wants them all to be together. He says here, here's the reason. So that they may see my glory. Notice, Jesus wants his followers to see the glory that he had, that he exercised in fellowship with the Father. Notice, the glory may see my glory which you have given me, for you loved me before the foundation of Of the world. There it is again. We have another moment in time that takes place before time began, as we would understand it, in eternity past. And the fellowship experience between the Trinity, dealing primarily with the Father and the Son here, is the fact that love was exercised. This was an expression of their fellowship with one another. And so, having said all that, I want to share with you some passages that we will look at regarding the fellowship that is to characterize the church, and then we'll talk about how do you apply that in our current situation. Take your Bible and turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is the birth of the church. I'm actually floored when I read some alternate viewpoints about when people believe the church actually started. It's disheartening. It makes me question their ability to read, which may sound rude, but because of their statement that the church did not start or was not born a new work that God was doing in Acts chapter 2, it makes me question everything else about their theological perspective, and I think that we should be leery of pursuing that conversation any further. In Acts chapter 2, verse 41, it says, So then, those who had received His word, now notice that, receiving the word comes before baptism. So then those who had received His word were baptized, so they're believers in Christ, Faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. Faith is the agency. Or sorry, the word of God is the agency that generates faith. It's what Schaeffer said. Notice that when they had received the word, they were baptized. And that day they were added about 3,000 souls. Now watch this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. There's koinonia. To the breaking of bread and to prayers. Now, let's focus on this verse for a second. I think it's important to say this is a descriptive verse, it's not a prescriptive verse. It's not saying that what unfolds here in Acts 2 is how things unfold in the church all the time, as far as how the Spirit came upon certain people and they heard tongues. We understand that we have the established word of God and we have no need for those miraculous acts anymore. And if you do a research of tongues in the scriptures, you find that it's more a sign to lost people, not saved people. And the scriptures are very clear about that, that's something we'll cover later in this year, Lord willing. But notice they were continually devoting Themselves. This Greek word is the idea of the fact that you're occupying yourself with something diligently, uh, that you are persistently paying attention to something. And notice the four things they have. If you've got a pen, label them. Number one, the apostles' teaching, Bible doctrine. Number two, fellowship, participation, close-knit communion with one another. Notice the breaking of bread, which we would understand that is what is formally understood as communion. Some would say that. I think it actually has not just that in mind, but the, the idea of sharing a meal with one another. What it is uh, to truly be in an intimate relationship with one another as the body of Christ. And to prayer, talking to God, adoring Him, confessing to Him, requesting of Him. Notice verse 43, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe. And many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And now watch this, and all those who had believed, that's what we saw in verse 41 through the word, were together and had all things in common. Notice that unity was a characterization of the church. It says, and they began selling their property and possessions. In other words, they began trimming the excess that they had for the sake of other people in generosity and compassion. Notice they were sharing with them all as anyone might have need. And notice the timing here, verse 46. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple. Notice a large group assembly. And breaking bread from house to house. Notice a small group assembly. They were taking their meals together and with gladness and sincerity or simplicity of heart. Notice they were praising God. And having favor with all the people. Now, that's interesting. Mark that. All the people. That's unbelievers. That's people who were not believers in Christ. And yet, this communal, close-knit, participating gathering that was brand new on the scene had favor, was favored by unbelievers. What was the result of all this? And the Lord was adding to their numbers day by day. There it is again. Those who were being saved the attitude is one of diligent devotion constantly paying attention to those four things rejoicing came out of this unity came out of this they're all of one mind that's all that the word is often used throughout the scriptures especially in acts is the idea of being in one accord with one another harmonious how many churches do we know like that The early church in Jerusalem was one of them. Hopefully that takes a moment for us to reflect on the idea of where we stand in relation to these things. It is so easy to fill our days with social media and allow that to become what dictates our attitude and actions. For some of us, the idea of spending An extended amount of time in the word of God seems grueling. And we think it's not even possible. I tell you what, that dependency is necessary, especially in times like this. I think one of the greatest obstacles that we're going to have to overcome, depending on how long our current situation lasts, is that of how to deal with the silence so that God can talk directly to our hearts and we not fight it anymore we see that this fellowship aspect is one of the ways in which the church in that time was edified. One accord. Having all things in common. Eating meals together. Their hearts were glad. They had a simplicity of life. It's amazing. And notice that the Lord adds. In verse 47, they were praising God. Notice, their response is Upward. But also, having favor with all the people. The response is outward. And God adds to the church day by day. There's community all over this passage. The large group assembly, small group assembly. Right now, we're restricted in how we make that happen. But there's still ways. There's still ways. How about we look at Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. I'm going to pretend to be encouraged by hearing the flipping of your pages, trusting that you all brought your Bibles. If we take a moment, Matthew 28, you're familiar with this, you know it, but let's read it regardless. Let's look at it regardless. And Jesus came up and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Notice, it's a communal endeavor. It requires you getting involved with other people. And notice the boundaries of all nations. It requires you to get involved with all kinds of people, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Number one, baptism not only symbolizes the identification of the believer in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, a burial of the old man and a resurrection and new life to the new man that Christ provides. But notice that the one administering the baptism has this communal participation in this act. Notice also that the means it's to be done is in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Automatically, we understand this is another communal dimension to this whole idea. Everything about it screams fellowship. Notice it says, teaching them to observe. Now, stop. The whole idea of teaching them implies that we are to be involved with them, that it is to go beyond the relational into the communal, that we are to teach them requires a lot of meeting. Requires a lot of our time, requires a lot of our prayer, will probably require of us a lot of emotion, but it's a time to get together with people and to build them up. It says here, to observe all that I commanded you, and I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The way that Jesus caps this off, the way that he seals it, is the idea of his continual presence, his fellowship. With us. He's always with us. Notice this entire verse is about community. It is about Father, Son, Holy Spirit in relation to believers in Christ, teaching, baptizing, making disciples. It's involved. All of it's involved. Think about our next passage Romans chapter 1. What's interesting about Romans is that Romans. Is considered Paul's magnum opus because it is rich in theological content, and we will be traveling through a lot of chapters in Romans in the coming days as we talk about our identity in Christ and in Christ's truth, positional truth. But the interesting thing about Romans is that the church in Rome was not a church that Paul found. And so he desired to spend time with them, now, I want to start in chapter 1 looking at verse 9. We'll read 9 through 12. I want you to watch carefully. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, notice that automatically requires Paul and God to be having a communal relationship, that I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you always in my prayers making request if perhaps now at last by the will of God i may succeed in coming to you now i want to point out a couple of things here about this uh, and i want you to maybe focus on this throughout the week ponder it roll it over read these four verses again and again but particularly verse 10 number 1 notice that paul i mean the whole idea of prayer is to be in communication with the lord And so notice that he's employing that in his situation. He's doing it on behalf of other people, other people that he has a connection with. So notice there's a relational aspect there. Notice also that it says, If perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. Paul was looking for an open door that he could edify the saints there. And we'll see that in a second. But notice that it's the will of God that allows these things to move forward. When you're thinking about your current situation, you feel like you're stuck at home. You feel like you're about ready to tear your hair out. You feel like that you can't take it anymore. You feel that you're stir crazy, whatever you want to say. Recognize that it is the will of God that is going to unfold when we need to move forward and when we need to stay put. Our problem is we'd rather panic than rest. Rest. And if anything, this right here is showing us that even though Paul had great desires to come see this church and to pour into them, it was only going to be so by God's will. And I think that we need to rest and take note of that lesson. Moving on, verse eleven four. there's your causal conjunction. I long to see you, he's explaining, I long to see you, and here's the reason, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you that you may be established. Now notice this. Paul knows that in his fellowship experience with these believers in Rome, he understands that that is a time to exercise spiritual gifts. It is a time for him to edify, to build them up. In fact, the word established here is the idea of to be firmly fixed, Into a place to be strengthened, to not be moved, uh, to be better rooted is the idea. The exercise of spiritual gifts amongst the body of Christ encourages that. What is your spiritual gift and can you exercise it with someone in your present situation? You can only answer the first one and I'll try to help you with the second one. Now look at verse 12 here. That is that I may be encouraged together. Look at that encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul understands this old prescription that we have the opportunity to do. When you go to be a blessing to another person, that believer in Christ becomes a blessing to you. You go in expecting to build them up and you walk away energized, lifted up, You know that there's something about that fellowship experience with that person that had the Lord in the center of it. And it was able to revitalize you when you felt parched. That's a good thing. Encouraged together as Paul seeks to demonstrate and exercise his spiritual gifts to firmly fix them, to establish them. He turns around and understands that he's going to be encouraged by them if if for no other reason that they listened and did what he said because he was pouring into them and they applied Bible doctrine. Notice it says, encourage together with you, while among you, each of us by the other's faith. Everybody see that, each of us? It is the idea there of everybody participating. Everybody in the body of Christ is significant. Everybody has a role. Everybody has a calling in the body of Christ. Everyone was given a spiritual gift to exercise for the edification of. Of the body. Everyone matters. He says here, both your both yours and mine, by the other's faith, both yours and mine. Paul understood in being a blessing to them, he'd be blessed in return. That's a beautiful reason to be involved in fellowship. How about look with me over at Hebrews ten? This verse might actually seem kind of humorous because it's the idea of people forsaking the assembling together, but there's much more that's going on around it. And honestly, as I'm sitting here behind the pulpit looking out at empty chairs, I miss all of you. It's an odd thing to not see you here. I think there's something inside of us that just says it's not right. Maybe in some of the Grumbling that would accompany our morning routine about getting up early and coming to church. We didn't recognize how precious that was until we didn't have it. Maybe it makes us a little bit more aware of not taking the blessings of God for granted. Fellowship of the saints is a blessing. It is a time of encouragement that we all run the risk of missing out on this week. Hebrews chapter 10, I want to start in verse 19. Our focus is going to be 23 through 25, but we got to get a running start with the context. It says, therefore, brethren, and he gives you why the therefore is therefore, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, and this is everything that he had talked about back in the end of chapter 4. Since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, Jesus' blood paves the way. Notice it's by a new and living way, which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh, so his flesh torn for us to give us access to God, paved by his blood. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, so Jesus is our perfect priest who atones for our sins perfectly. Verse 22, Let us draw near, with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Verse 23, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds Not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Let's start in verse 22 and walk through this for a second. Notice the first draw near here is the idea that we can have a genuine heart, that we can have complete certainty, and that our hearts are clean, From an evil conscience and our bodies have been washed with pure water. Notice this isn't things that we need to do. Notice it's things that have already been done. It's realities that we already possess as believers in Christ and it's work that Christ has already done. Coming into fellowship experience with the Father is always about Jesus' work that he's already done. That is always the basis Is it our job to draw near to him and he will draw near to us? Yes, but that drawing near is always firmly founded upon the basis of everything that Jesus has already done in cleansing us and washing us to be acceptable in his sight. So the first thing is, we need to draw near to God. We can do that because the death of Christ has paved the way. Fellowship. Verse 23 Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. In other words, God's already taken care of his part, and he will not fail. Therefore, we have confidence to hold fast to the word. That's another aspect of fellowship. God's word dwelling in us richly, boiling over for the sake of encouraging others. Oftentimes, when we get in koinonia situations where we're designed to encourage other people, we talk more about what's going on in our daily lives, news stories that we've seen, how our kids are doing. And while all of that is fine and good, it has no lasting impact in encouraging a person. This is the whole reason why we have the Word of God. We are to be speaking the Word of God to one another. We are to be encouraging one another towards receiving the implanted word which is able to save our souls. We are to constantly be pointing one another to sound doctrine. There is nothing else that lasts. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but His word will never pass away. That's true. I don't know if we've ever stopped to think about that, and maybe our current situation will jar our understanding. His word never fails it never dies it never goes away it will never change it is always trustworthy reliable without error persistent and perfect so we hold fast to the word verse 24 and let us consider contemplate this dwell upon it how to stimulate one another how to provoke one another, how to stir one another up, how to spur one another on. How can believers motivate other believers? Notice it's to a good end. Number one, love, agape love. But number two, good deeds, good works. Not just nice things, godly things. How do we do that? Especially in our present situation. Especially when aspects of fear want to grip us. Especially when we are overly conscious about checking the mail or answering the door or even venturing out at all. Before we answer that, let's finish this. Notice it says, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some. This is not a time where we want to beat up on occasional church attendance or anything like that. People know they don't go to church for certain reasons. We don't need to remind them. But what we do need to ask ourselves or answer this question at least is how do we not forsake the assembling of ourselves with the current situation that we're in? How can we still hold fast to each other? If we're supposed to draw near to God in fellowship, hold fast to him. We're supposed to hold fast to the word of God. How do we draw near and hold fast to one another? Number one, there's an end motivator in mind, and it's a a timing issue. Look at the end there. It says, but encouraging one another. That's to be the goal. When we stimulate one another to love and good deeds, we have that getting together, that fellowship time. It's to be a time of encouraging one another. Again, we find this idea of encouragement floating throughout these fellowship aspects. The idea of being built up, the earthly goal of the church, being built up into mature manhood, where we're edifying ourselves in love, as we saw in Ephesians 4. It says here, and all the more, all the more. That means keep doing it. Increase. Keep going. Make much of it. All the more. As you see the day drawing near, rapture of the church. How are you operating right now in light of the Lord's coming in your present circumstances? How do we go about stimulating and provoking one another? How do we encourage and make disciples of people in our current situation? How do we experience that communal encouragement we saw in Acts 2? How do we exercise our spiritual gifts so that we'll be a blessing to others and we can be blessed in return? Let me give you a couple of points to ponder on as far as application is concerned and then ask three questions and and, and make three statements here. I don't know how that's going to sort out. You'll see it on the screen. Uh, Believe me now and listen to me later. Whatever. Here we go. A foundational thing to remember is the fact that God has not changed. You may feel like everything around you is unstable. Rest assured right now, God has not changed. I'm a little concerned about how I do not lack peace in the midst of this situation, and I know it's from the Lord. The Lord has given peace about this situation. Maybe you don't have that, and that's fine. If you have anxieties, lift them up to the Lord. Give him thanks for who he is. Lay them down at his feet. His word promises he will give you peace. This situation has not stopped God from his mission. He will accomplish in conforming us all to the image of his son. The situation has no bearing on that. God is not surprised by it, and he doesn't change in the midst of it, and he will not change the way that he operates in accomplishing that. He is stable. And just because we're not able to meet together in this room, we never stop being the body never. It doesn't stop. We are a unique people that have been called out, indwelt by the Holy Spirit, have a firm, fixed foundation in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, have been given a new location in Christ himself, have been given a brand new identity, have been given a new life, and have been reconciled to God in the relationship that we were always meant to have with him because of the cross. So we never stop being the body. We are a unique people of God. And this present dispensation that we are in is the church dispensation. That never stops. You never stop being the body. But probably what is more important and more comforting than that, and and even even equally as true, if not more so true, Christ never stops being our head. He never stops leading the church. If anything, we have more time to pray and be devoted to the Lord than what we ever thought possible before. We probably often reasoned in the deceitfulness of our hearts, well, I'll get around to it whenever I have time. Guess what? God has answered our prayers. And this is not a time to slack off in knowing him. The whole fact that we have his word tells us that he wants to be known. He is not defined by the coronavirus. He is defined by his word, and his word never passes away. And we never stop being his people, and Christ never stops being our head. So this is a unique and privileged fellowship experience that we've been called into with Jesus Christ that we need to take advantage of now. Second idea to think of here is the fact that Jesus Christ ministers to his church through his church. The church is his body. I have no doubt in my mind or heart that we have a fully functional head. But we have an often dysfunctional body. And we have no excuse for that. We have a reason. It's called sin. Unbelief. Not truly taking up what the word of God tells us about the privileges of the body and the function of the body and the goal of the body. But we have no excuses. We are privileged people. His grace abounds to us. You know, Ephesians one three is still a profound verse. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies, in Christ. If you're in Christ, you have every spiritual blessing. You are not lacking in any way. Maybe we can hear that now for a change. Jesus ministers to his church through his church. The body taking care of the body. The body, taking care of the body. Why is that? Because every member is a minister to the body and a missionary to the world. Every member matters. Every member is a minister. Not just me, not just Emily, not just Zach, not just Mitch, not just the elders. Every member matters. Every person makes up the body of Christ who is in Christ. So let's not look at our situation as destitute, but as blessed, gloriously blessed. So, dealing with our first thing here, every day is a stewardship of time. How will you use yours? In our current situation, how do we practice fellowship, being close-knit in a partnership with one another? The present situation hasn't necessarily made it easy. But praise God, we've been given different avenues to make that happen. We've always had a stewardship of time, now we're just much more aware of it. How are we going to use it? Right now we have enough time to pray. I encourage you find a find a quiet time today to pray. I think you'll be amazed at how the enemy of God Will want to bombard your mind with everything else that you need to be doing or need to be paying attention to and try to deceive you out of a quiet time with the Lord. The silence will be deafening. Don't give up. Say his name out loud. Call on the name of Christ to deliver you. Say the name Jesus to deal with that situation. There's power in his name. We've always had the stewardship of time. Will we use it wisely. Maybe a second mode is check with your brothers and sisters who don't have the internet access. If you feel safe, if no one is sick, if you know that things are going well on both ends and you feel confident in that, again, we don't want to spread around sickness. We're not looking to be disobedient and dumb. We want to be wise in our dealings with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we also want to be edifying. And if they don't have internet access... Invite them over so that they can go through the live stream with you. You can still fellowship with one another. Create a meal around it. Love one another. Rejoice over the truths of Scripture. Share Scripture with one another if you're not able to be together. You know, that's the third one. Reach out. We all still have cell phones, telephones. We have email. You can still sit down and write a letter as primitive as that may seem in our day and age. Snail mail works. Use Facebook for a good thing. Share scripture with others. Encourage others. Exchange prayer requests. Make your requests known to the Lord. You can still build one another up from a distance. Just because our situation has changed... Doesn't mean that God has not graciously provided avenues that we just need to utilize. This is what it looks like to love people to life in Christ. To get involved, every member ministering to the body, every member encouraging, every member building up, every member being encouraged and being built up, growing in sound doctrine, growing in fellowship. Devoting ourselves to prayer. If you're an Amazon person, there's a good book that will give you ideas about how to do this. I think it's relatively inexper- uh, inex- inexpensive. I found a, an old copy on my bookshelf that really struck my attention. It's by a guy named Gene Getz. Last name is G E T Z. The name of the book is Building Up One Another. And he is a church health guy. He's all about building up the body of Christ, encouraging the active participation of every member of the body. Sometimes we sit back and just expect for the minister to perform or to do whatever. And while none of you have ever expressed that to me, that's the common fault in a lot of churches, not recognizing all that we've been called to as being a part of a local body. A book like that will help get you encouraged in that way. Something else that we want to do as a church is if you are local to Portage, Wisconsin, we want to make books available to you. We have a few different books here that we can put in your hands for your encouragement to build you up and to help encourage you in the scriptures. Uh, Winning Your Spiritual Battles by Tony Evans, Simply by Grace by Charlie Bing, Free at Last by Tony Evans, Commentary over the Epistles of John by Zane Hodges, Uh, The Guts of Grace by Grant Hawley, which, in my opinion, is one of the greatest discipleship books that's ever been written that has gone largely unnoticed. Uh, Chosen to Serve by Sean Lazar, if you're looking for more of a deep theological read. We have copies of that available, Uh, and an excellent book called Stormproof Men by Roger Finkhauser, dealing with the idea of purity uh, of a Christian man in our current day and age. We want to get those books to you. We want to find a way to do that. We also have about 18 copies of the Green Letters available for you, which is an excellent discipleship, uh, encouragement uh, piece. It's, It's fantastic. I can't say enough about it. The great thing I love about all these resources is they constantly point you to the truths of God's Word, and they help you in understanding God's Word. We want to find a way to be an encouragement and to still continue these things on. If you have ideas for ways to encourage the body at large, we want to know about it. I want to give you an email address that you can send um, your suggestions to or your feedback to, those types of things. It is gracebibleportage at gmail.com, all one word, gracebibleportage. At gmail.com. If anything, we need an update of everybody's email addresses. If for some reason you're not receiving correspondence from us in that way, at least email in to give us current information. If you know somebody that's not able to listen to this or any other, uh, of the sermons that we've had, they just don't have access. They're not able to get to us. Um, let us know so that we can burn CD copies and we can mail out CD Uh, requests that people may have we want to find whatever way possible we can to encourage the body to participate in koinonia we don't know what the weeks are going to bring we don't know how the idea of quarantine is going to change or be enhanced or or what we don't don't know you know what that's okay we don't need to know we do need to trust the lord be faithful to his word do what he's asked of us. Let's pray. Father, we see constantly in your word fellowship experience that takes place between the Trinity, between believers, with believers in relation to Christ our Lord, with the church in relation to Christ our head, having the pathway to the Father, opened by the blood of the Son and the body of the Son. Finding that we can pour into one another, build one another up, bless one another. Taking the time to reach out. We have it. Will we use it? Offering up prayers in every opportunity that we get. Father, some of us right now just need your calm comfort and your mercy. We are never alone. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. And oftentimes that might not be the way we feel, but that is the fact. Father, may our minds rest on the facts. The sweetness of how your word wants to minister to us. The ability of your indwelling spirit to teach our hearts and our minds. Just because the world is confused, God, I pray that we're not. You have given us all the hope that we need in your holy word. Father, we know that you'll bless. We know that your grace is constantly pouring forth. Father, encourage our hearts. Pray it in Christ's name.